and welcome back to Diet Deep Dive. I'm your host, Molly, and I'm so excited to announce that we have Garrett Muska on our show today to talk to us about vitamin B12. Hi, Molly. Thanks for having me today. I'm excited to be here and do a deep dive with you into vitamin B12 and its role in the body. So, Garrett, what all are we going to cover on today's episode? Today, I'm planning on discussing vitamin B12's role in epigenetics, more specifically nutrigenomics, and its potential role in cancer. Wow. It looks like it's going to be an information-packed episode. Could you give us a quick rundown on some of these key players and processes in the body to set the scene for our listeners? I guess let's start even simpler with the base of this all. What's the genome and what does it do? So our genome or our DNA is what makes us us. With just four different types of molecules or bases, we create a sequence that is over 3 billion base pairs long. This code can be thought of as a set of instructions. From it, we're able to grow from just a single cell to a complete adult human with diverse organ structures that are able to carry out the task we need to survive. And is DNA the same in each cell of our body? But depending on the type of cell, a different part of the DNA is turned either on or off. For example, the cells that make the heart pump blood don't need to use the section of the DNA that tell us how to grow fingernails. So what determines what parts of the DNA are turned on or off in particular cells? Or does the cell just know? The cell knows by using epigenetics. This is the study of how our DNA is packaged and how changes in the packaging lead to changes in gene expression. Because we have so much DNA in a single cell, we need a way to make it all fit. And to do this, the DNA wraps itself around a protein called a histone. These histones then combine until they finally form what is called a chromosome. You may remember these as the X shapes from your high school biology course. Ah, yes. I remember drawing those X's and circles to show how cell division works. So is it changes to the DNA or changes to the histones that produce these changes in gene expression? Just the histones. To make a gene more likely to be turned on, another protein may add a modification called an acetyl group to the histone. Or to make a gene more likely to be turned off, another protein may add a modification called a methyl group to the histone. But these changes don't ultimately alter the base pairing sequence of the DNA code. Got it. So how is nutrition involved in all of this? Well, you see, many environmental factors can cause these changes to occur to the histones. These factors can range from air pollutants to drinking alcohol to what we consume in our diet. A deficiency in vitamin B12 is just one of the many factors that can induce these changes. Wow. So our everyday habits are shaping our epigenetic code. That's pretty crazy and makes you think twice before doing certain things. Moving into vitamin B12 a little more, why is it specifically B12? Aren't there many B vitamins? There are but each one has a different job in the body. There's eight variations, and while they are all under the umbrella of vitamin B, they all do different things. So a deficiency in each one has different effects. How does this deficiency occur? Are we born with it, or is it something that we do that leads to the deficiency? So unfortunately, humans aren't able to make their own vitamin B12, and because of this, we need to obtain it through the food we eat. When we don't eat foods that are rich in vitamin B12, such as meats, cheese, milk, and yogurt, over time, we will become deficient. This seems like it could be a growing problem with more people cutting out meat and dairy products and choosing to adopt a plant-based diet. You're correct, but diet's not the only way that can lead to a deficiency. As we get older, our bodies naturally become less efficient at breaking down vitamin B12 and being able to use it. So how do we overcome this? It sounds like if we can't get enough from the food we eat, it's kind of a large barrier to hurdle. Well, one way is just to consume more vitamin B12, so our body has the opportunity to absorb more. Do these deficiencies happen all over the world, 
Or are there concentrated places with more people impacted by vitamin B12 deficiencies? So vitamin B12 deficiency is a global problem because it can happen to anyone. However, all areas of the world are not affected the same. What areas are the most impacted? India, Mexico, Central and South America definitely have the highest prevalence of vitamin B12 deficiencies. However, there's also hotspots in Asia, but it's not as common there overall. Here in the United States and across the pond in the UK, around only 6% of the population suffers from a vitamin B12 deficiency. With the commonality of plant-based diets in certain global regions, availability of foods rich in vitamin B12 seems like it also could play a role in these deficiencies. And when you combine that with the increasing shortage of available land for raising animals due to the effects of climate change, this will only further the problems in these areas. Obviously, having a B12 deficiency is bad, as you keep alluding to, but I guess I'm still kind of confused on how this all happens. Why does a B12 deficiency have negative outcomes? Think of the many reactions in your body like a river. If all is well, the river is going to continue to flow and the body will function as normal. But what would happen if a big tree fell into that river and caused a big blockade? Well, the river probably wouldn't be able to keep flowing like normal. Exactly. And on one side of it, the water would start to build up, while on the other side, it would start to dry out. Is vitamin B12 deficiency like this tree? Precisely. So when you don't have enough vitamin B12 in your diet, the chemical reactions that occur in your body can't function properly. The specific reaction where vitamin B12 used is essentially blocked. This causes the starting molecules to build up, and the molecules that would normally be created by the reaction are unable to form. Do any of these molecules change the histone proteins like we talked about? Yes. So the starting molecule in the reaction that there is now too much of changes the histones. And additionally, the ending molecule that there is now not enough of also affects the histones. What do the negative outcomes look like with the deficiency in B12? And are there any long-term issues that can result from it? Well, primarily my research is on the impact of this deficiency in development of cervical cancer. Interesting. How likely is cervical cancer to form from this deficiency? In countries that have a high risk for vitamin B12 deficiency, it's pretty common. With nearly 60% of the population in South India, there was approximately a 10.4-fold increase in the risk of these invasive cancers. Oh, wow. That's a really startling number. Now, is cervical cancer the only disease that can result from a vitamin B12 deficiency? Unfortunately, it's not. Other cancers such as breast cancer, pancreatic cancer, and nasopharyngeal cancer have also all been linked to a vitamin B12 deficiency. Sounds very serious. Well, not only that, but if an expecting mother is diagnosed with a vitamin B12 deficiency, it's possible that they could pass this on to their children. What would the child experience? Issues in brain development and growth? Precisely. There's also the possibility that they would have an altered risk of developing cancer, as well as a possible increased resistance to insulin. This could lead to the development of diabetes in the child. Wow. Not only can it affect one individual, but the adverse effects can be inherited and further developed in the next generation. If vitamin B12 deficiencies can develop over time, I would think that women who give birth at an older age would have children who are more likely to develop these conditions. Yeah, I haven't thought of it like that before, but it's definitely a possibility. So what's the solution? How can people prevent or even treat vitamin B12 deficiency? Well, currently there's a few options that people have. The first is just to increase your vitamin B12 intake through your diet. This would mean eating more foods that you mentioned, foods that come from animals such as cheeses, meat, milk, and yogurt, or even fortified food like cereal and orange juice, right? Right. Another option is to take oral vitamin B12 supplements. 
These are available over the counter, including right here in the United States. But what if you have a severe vitamin B12 deficiency? Is there anything you can do at that point? Well, for those who are severely depleted in vitamin B12, there's always injections that are available. However, you would have to go and see a physician in order to get a prescription for these. Interesting. Well, a lot of this is news to me. People may not know they have a deficiency or how to help fix it. What can me and our listeners do? Education is everything. If you just start talking about it with your friends and family, more awareness can be raised to this issue. Well, I want to thank you for your time today and giving me and our listeners a better understanding of epigenetics and how vitamin B12 is specifically involved. Well, thanks for having me. Well, guys, that was another episode of Diet Deep Dive. I hope you all learned something from today's podcast. Until next week, bye, guys. Bye.